Our scripture reading from the day, it'll come from uh, John 3, 1 through 21. And uh, if you don't have a Bible with you or it's not on your phone, then uh, it's on page 1111. And uh, it'll be in your Bibles in front of you in the pew. Verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do not... And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert... So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Thank you, Reuben, and uh, thank you to the band that helped me out this morning. And um, we're going to launch into week two of our series, Sinners and Saints. And if last week was uncomfortable for some of you saints, it's just going to get a little worse today and a little bit worse next week, and then it'll be over, sort of. So it's just uh, just hang in there with me, and uh, and and then we'll we'll kind of move on to the next phase of this series. But this morning, as I start off, I want to show you a, a little video clip that it comes from. Uh, if some of you may remember, I took a trip to Wichita, Kansas, uh, for the Church of God convention there just a, a month or so ago. And uh, while I was there, uh, this was one of the speakers. His name is Jeremy Dixon. And he shared this story that I thought was appropriate for our conversation today. So I want to show you a little bit of it right now. A couple years ago, about two, maybe three years ago now, 
um, I'm only at this time maybe two years into pastoring there at the Center of Hope and I notice that there is a lesbian couple that starts to come to our church. Now we, we've always known that over time we've had um, same gender attracted people attending our fellowship under certain respect in, in, in some ways but, but rarely vocal or open about their relationship. I mean we had suspicions or had thoughts and, but we never saw anyone expressing that as an open part of, of their life. So for several weeks, I saw this same couple, and they would come, two, two young ladies, they would come, beautiful young ladies, they would come and they would sit just to my left, about halfway back, and one young lady would put her arm around the other young lady, and so we knew that this was something that was, we were going to have to start talking about and dealing with in our context. After a while, I, I saw them one Sunday kind of waiting for me off to the side. Like most pastors, I, I come out after I'm done teaching and, and I'll shake hands or meet people or, or greet people. And I saw them kind of hovering in the area to talk to me. And so I kind of prepared myself. And here's why. Not because they bothered me, but as they hovered, I saw church people start to hover around them. And so I'm in a predicament because here's what I know. What I know is that in this moment, everyone that's looking is trying to see what's going to happen, what's going to be said, what's going to take place. So in my heart, I'm thinking to myself, this would be so much better if we could meet later by ourselves. (laughs) But they're not going to be denied. So they come up to me and they said, hey, Pastor Jeremy. And I say, hey. And they said, we need to ask you a question. And right then. My heart started beating fast. I started sweating. And I said, well, listen. This is what I, I said, listen, well, why don't you just call the office and we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. They said, no, no, no. This will only take a minute. <laughs> just then, a few church mothers started meandering over to our place. And they sat right on the bench right next to us. And they had the, we call it a Holy Ghost lean. They just lean in a little bit to see. So I said, you know, I'm, now I'm in the pit. I said, okay, sure, what's happening? And they said, well, we just want to know if we're welcomed in your church. And, uh, and, I, and I look around, I said, well, what do you mean? Well, we're a lesbian couple and we want to know if we're welcome in your church. And I said, well, this is not my church. So go ask the one who it belongs to. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I said, look, I said, this is not my church. I said, and I'm in no position to tell you that you can't be in the family of God or come to the household. This is not my place to, to put you out of. They said, no, 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 no. no. That's not our question. <laughs> our question is, are, are we going to be safe in your church? This is what I said. And I, and I, it's, it's a true story. I said, listen, if, if you mean, am I going to berate you, call you names, or speak or call you out in my sermons, then no. It's not going to happen. If you're asking if people are going to talk about you, I can tell you now, probably, because they talk about me every Sunday. <laughs> So they laughed. They said, well, we want to come in because we want to ask some more questions. Long story short, they come in and we sit down and they say, we want to know if you will do our wedding. And I was like, man, it just, I just want to be able to shake hands and preach 
and I want to just go to my office and I just, I want to take naps. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this part of ministry. <laughs> Will you marry us? I think that one of the greatest obstacles that the kingdom of God faces today is fear between sinners and saints. Uh, there's sinners who are afraid of the church. Are we going to be safe here? And then there's saints who are afraid of the sinners. What are they going to ask us? What are they going to do? How are they going to act around here? And so this fear of each other keeps a lot of kingdom work from happening. Keeps a lot of maybe the ministry that Jesus would have been doing if he were here from happening. This fear of each other. And how do we, how do we deal with that? And the good news, if you're here or listening online as a, as a sinner today or in that camp of non-Christian, you might not like that title. Don't worry, we don't like the title of saints either. It's just a clever sermon title here. So <laughs> stick with us. But if, you're, if that's you today, then I want you to know that it's a good week for you to listen to this message because you get to watch the rest of us squirm a little bit. <laughs> this is focused on us and Jesus had a lot to say to the saints of his day about how to deal with sinners and that's kind of what we're exploring in the first part of this series and today's title is just Dear Saints and we'll have one more Dear Saints next week and then we'll have a Dear Sinners and I hope you'll stick around for that as well as we talk directly to you but today uh, you get to sit back and I think it's an important one for you as well because uh, sometimes saints are part of the reason that sinners, like we just said, are afraid of learning about Jesus, afraid of coming and seeing what church is all about. And so uh, you need to hear what, what Jesus had to say about it as well. And of course, as saints, we need to take a long look in the mirror sometimes, or better yet, at Jesus Christ, and see how well our life is matching up with His life, and how well our attitudes and our heart is matching up with His heart for the lost. And today we, we read this story. It's a famous story in John chapter 3. The most famous part of, of it is probably the most famous verse in our day and in our culture of Scripture. It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not die but have everlasting life. And this verse is, I mean, it's all over everything in our culture. Uh, you turn on a football game, you'll see it in the end zone, right? It's, uh, it's, it has permeated our culture. If there's any verse that our world knows, it's probably that one. But, you know, sometimes we forget the context that it's found in, and it's this story uh, of this guy named Nicodemus who comes to meet with Jesus. And that's the context it's in. And that's the story I want to share with you today. And we like this Nicodemus guy. At least we think we do. We, I mean, he's, he seems nice. A lot of the guys, a lot of Nicodemus' friends, the leaders and Pharisees and teachers of the law, a lot of times they were always giving Jesus a hard time. And Jesus was giving them a hard time. And, and they didn't get along very well. But this guy, he comes along to Jesus privately. And he says some nice things. We like him. I mean, listen to this. He says, Rabbi, 
a teacher is a name of respect. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with them. See, we like this guy. He's nice. He reminds us a lot of us because he was a very moral person. Uh, he, he, he knew the Bible. He, he read the Bible. He loved the Bible. Their Bible was just the Old Testament back then because the New Testament was being lived, right? Not written. And so uh, he, we like this guy, Nicodemus. He's, he seems nice compared to those other guys that were always trying to catch Jesus or accusing him of being in league with the devil. And here's, here's Nicodemus saying, you know, we, we can tell that uh, you're... God must be on your side with all the stuff you're doing. So we, we like him. We might even like him enough that the rest of the day we could just call him Nick. Because Nicks are nice guys, right? I mean, we have a, we have a Nick up here that helps lead us in worship often, you know, with, with Kelly and, and Julie and, and Jeb's usually here too. And, and so we like Nicks, all right? They're, they're good guys. And, uh, and so, so Nick comes along and, and he says this to start with. And then we wonder, why was Jesus so mean to him? Because Jesus turns around and says, Very truly I tell you, this is, I mean, the next thing after, Hey, I like you, you know. And he turns around and says, Very truly, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. It's pretty rude, really. I mean, he could have said, Well, thank you, Nick, I like you too. I think you're a swell teacher as well. No. I mean, I guess we could be thankful that Jesus didn't say, you viper, or you whitewashed tomb, or some of the other things that he called some of uh, Nick's peers. But, now some of you are looking at that, and you're like, I don't really see how that's that mean, Pastor. I mean, he just said you need to be born again. I mean, it's just kind of a statement. It's not like really accusatory. But I think that's because you, like, like me, have not yet... Put yourself all the way in Nick's shoes. Think about who he was now. Teacher of the law. A respected member of Israel's leadership. That's not just church leadership, that's national leadership. He was a Jew amongst Jews. Now there would have been a way that Jesus could have said this, changing just that last word that would have made this just kind of an elementary statement about Jewish belief. It wouldn't have been um, rude at all or insulting at all. He could have just said, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born a Jew. Because that's what all the Jews believed when Jesus came into the world. That the way that you became a part of the kingdom of God is you were born an Israelite. You were born a Jew. And that made you part of God's people, right? Because God's people was a nation. And Nicodemus was like one of the prime members of that nation. And Jesus just got up and told him that his birth as a Jew was not good enough. He'd need to do it again. You begin to see how these are fighting words? I want you, I mean, just think for a moment. We, we have a hard time, you know, appreciating this. But think, you know, if you knew a guy who was a World War II vet, 
Okay? And he could trace his ancestry back to the founding fathers of our nation. And he could tell you, he could rattle off the name, and he could tell you, you know, who he was related. And he was a member of the Sons of the American Revolution. And, and he liked to reenact battle scenes, you know, from the Civil War and from the American Revolution. And, and he knew all of our history. Imagine walking up to him and saying, that's not good enough. You're not an American. No. You'll need to take this class. And you're going to need to learn a little bit about, you know, real, you know, what it really means to be an American. And then we'll, you know, let you take a test and, and see, you know, if you qualify as an American. Can you picture how offensive that would be? Or maybe you are a member of this church. Maybe you were like born in this church or a church just like it. You know, and your mama brought you to church three days after you were born and you were singing in the choir. And, uh, and, you know, they used to have potluck dinner on the ground and you were having that before you even cut your first tooth. And uh, maybe you were baptized down there in the, in the old sanctuary, right? And, and some of you are here, you didn't even know there was an old sanctuary. But, but some of you do and you know and you were there. And if someone came up to you and said, that's not good enough, you're not a member of this church. I'm not even sure you're a Christian. Let's talk. And we'll see if we can fix you up. Now, if you can marry those two things, the, the patriotic thing and the, and the religious thing, then you'll begin to get a sense of what Jesus was saying to Nick here after Nick says, Teacher, we like you. You're all right. And Jesus turns around and says, No one's going to see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. The birth that you're so proud of that you think makes you a part of the kingdom of God, you're going to need to start over. Go back to go. Do not collect $200. Hmm. Fighting words. So Nick pushes back. How can someone be born when they're old? Now I refuse to believe that this Nicodemus fellow was stupid I think he knew exactly what Jesus was saying otherwise he wouldn't be in the position that he was in and this is him pushing back of course it's about your birth of course you have to be born a Jew of course that's all that matters it's stupid to talk about being born again, that you need something else to get you in the kingdom of God. I'm a son of Abraham. I don't need anything else. But Jesus says, Very truly, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, you must be born again. Jesus saying, it's not just about physical birth. It's about spiritual birth. And this shouldn't surprise you, teacher of the law, expert, leader of Israel. It shouldn't surprise you because if you had read the law, and if you had listened to the prophets, then you would know that God is more concerned with people's hearts 
than anything else. But this bothers Nicodemus. He says, how can this be? It bothers him deeply. Because if if it's the spiritual birth that matters, then anyone could join the kingdom. And that seems to be exactly what Jesus was getting after. Because listen to what he says. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Now this is not Jesus having an ADD moment. (laughs) It's not, oh the wind blew through. Oh look at the wind. It blows. No. He's still very much on point. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus is sitting there and he's thinking if we let just anybody in here what are they going to do? I mean what if they don't even call it Israel anymore? What if they call it Christian or church or something crazy? If we let just anyone in here They may not even meet to worship on Saturdays anymore. They may change the worship time to Sundays or something. If we let just anyone in here, they may bring in like pianos and organs, weird instruments, and they sing different sounding songs. And if we bring just anyone in here, what's going to happen? They won't even know how we do things around here. He's scared. He says, how can this be? He refuses to believe it. And Jesus had harsh words for him, didn't he? If you don't even understand this, come on now. It's the heart that matters. And you can't be part of the kingdom of God just because you were born into the right physical family. There's a spiritual birth that has to happen. And yes, that means that anyone could join from anywhere that looks like anything acts like whatever they could come right in and doubtless all of Nick's fears have come true (laughs) it did change everything when they brought a whole bunch of sinners in didn't know how things were done this is a major theme of John's Gospel, his version of the Jesus story. In fact, in his introduction, before he even got into the story, he said, in just overview of what Jesus did, that to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I mean, think about this from a Jewish perspective, right? In the first century, this Jesus thing is just cropping up All that matters is, are you born a Jew? And John and his gospel, and Jesus speaking into this, they all say, if you believe in Jesus, it's through faith you have this right to become children of God. Not born of natural descent, it's not about your lineage, but born of God. And this is scary to the Nicodemuses of the world. 
Because if you let just anyone in, then anything could happen. And so there's fear, right? It's that fear that threatens the kingdom work still yet to this day. That sinners are afraid of saints and saints are afraid of sinners. So dear saint, today what I want you to understand from Jesus himself, that he tried to get through to a saint of his day and didn't mince words with him. He said, saints don't get to control which sinners get to join. That's what he was saying when he said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You can't tell where it comes from. You can't tell where it's going. It does whatever it wants to do. And so it is with those born of the Spirit. They could come from anywhere. They could look like anything. They could act like whatever. And you don't get to control it, Nicodemus. You don't get to say who gets... See, they had a system for Gentile people who wanted to be Jewish. If, if you wanted it bad enough and you were willing to go and jump through all the hoops and look like a Jew and act like a Jew and talk like a Jew, then they had a little section of the temple just for you. Right there on the edge, the outer edge. You could come and you'd be a quasi-Jew. Isn't that nice of them? Jesus said, you don't get to control which sinners get to join This is something we need to hear today. And probably you can already tell we need to hear it. Because some of our fears are some of the same fears that old Nick had. (laughs) We too would prefer to keep it to a certain kind of sinner. One that already kind of looks like us, talks like us, acts like us. And sure, maybe they have a little bit of you know, baggage. We all have a little baggage and they can get right and that'll be great and it'll be a good story and we'll baptize them. Yeehaw. And, and then if they, if they do good and they come faithfully for a decade or so, then we might even put them on a committee. I'm stretching it a little bit. I'm stretching it. It might just be nine years or something. But we get uncomfortable with the thought. I mean, I don't know how many of you stay up at night about this kind of stuff, but you know, certainly it crosses the mind of me, of our leadership team, our business team, the council, and different ministries from time to time. Like, what if? You know, what if the wrong kind of person shows up? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, what if, what if Jeremy's church is our church? And, and uh, all of a sudden, there's uh, this couple sitting back there with their arms around each other. Doesn't look like they ought to be a couple, according to the Bible. What are they doing there? What are we going to do about that? You know, someone comes in, and they look dirty and filthy and Probably some kind of addict or something. Weird piercings. Certainly not anyone we'd want our kids to be around. 
What are we going to do about that? What if someone comes in and they look, I don't know, Muslim or something? I don't know. One one of our biggest fears is the transgender thing, right? What if they show up and then they want to go into the wrong bathroom or something? What are we going to do about that? So there's fear. And we begin to say and think things like, I hope they never come here. Don't we? I mean, wouldn't we rather avoid that whole thing? (laughs) Wouldn't we rather not have to have that conversation about bathroom choice (laughs) or whatever? Wouldn't we just feel a lot more comfortable... You know, if someone has to steal our seat on a Sunday morning and because they, they don't know it's our seat, at least let it be someone that looks decent, you know? It looks like one of us. Make it a little bit tolerable. And if, if center people started coming in here that aren't anything like us, then, and, and we let them like get involved and do stuff, then it's going to change stuff. I mean, what would they do to the music? All of it. They may want to meet on Saturday night or something. Crazy. Now, wouldn't that be ironic? We move it from Saturday to Sunday. Anyway. And so we have this fear. The purpose of this message is not to scare us. In fact, the whole point is that shouldn't be scary. Think about it. Think about the people that Jesus hung around. Think about the first people, the very first generation that joined the church. Think about the Apostle Paul who traveled to places like Ephesus. We did a series on the people of the way in Ephesus. And some of you may remember what kind of people joined that first church. (laughs) They were into sorcery and witchcraft. They burned their sorcery books. It was worth millions, they said. (laughs) Now you want to tell me that those people looked Christian when they joined? People into dark witchcraft and pagan arts? That they looked like the kind of people that Paul was used to hanging out with? (laughs) That they knew how to do church right? And they had problems. And they had struggles. And they had to learn a lot. But that's the whole point. (laughs) The reason Jesus sent out his disciples was to make disciples. Not of people that looked just like them and talked like just, just like them and, and thought just like them, but that sometimes it would be people totally different from them. Because the wind, it just blows wherever it pleases, doesn't it? And there were times where, like the time that uh, Peter walked into the, the Gentile, the Roman centurion's house. These people he wasn't even supposed to be associating with. Nothing like him. He was going to be ritually unclean just for showing up there. And the Holy Spirit just comes on. And he says, well, I guess we've got to baptize him. (laughs) 
obviously God's good with them, so I guess we better be good with them. And this blew his mind. But that's how it goes. Jesus said before, before he even resurrected and ascended, he said, look, when people are born of the Spirit, it's like the wind. It just blows. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. And yeah, that's kind of scary for us sometimes, but from the very beginning, it's what it's all been about. So it shouldn't be scary for us because that's what we signed up for. And frankly, some of us wouldn't be here today if that wasn't what it's all about. Either you personally would have never been let in because you didn't, you know, you didn't look right, you didn't act right. Or you can trace back, or if you could, you could trace back a few generations, and at some point in your family line, you know, if you if you're a you know, whatever generation Christian at least in some sense, your family has passed on some Christian morals and such. You know, at some point back down the line, there was somebody who didn't look at all like they belonged in here, and some group of believers said, yes, you do. And that's why you're where you're at today. But if it was up to us, we would pick and choose. Oh, we might not say, you don't look good enough, get out of here. But by the way, we treat them by what we do, by the attitudes of our hearts. Now there's some of us, I would imagine, that you, you hear this and, and there's part of us that's like, well, there's lots of churches. And I'm good with sending missionaries to those people, but this is our church. This is our church. This one is. And so we do get a little bit of a say in what kind of people get to come and don't get to come. But no, you don't. And it's not our church. And it's not my church. It's not the leadership team's church or the business team's church or any other team's church. It's the church of Jesus Christ who said, you have to be born of the Spirit. And the wind blows wherever it pleases. And yeah, it's not too often that we have crazy looking people walking through our doors. But if and when they do, let's make sure we've got Jesus' heart and Jesus' attitude. And like Reuben said earlier, this, to me this is like a step one sort of series. Where we're trying to make sure our hearts and our attitudes line up with Jesus. And there needs to be a step two series sometime. That, like Reuben was saying, where we don't just sit around here and wait for people to show up at our doors. But we actually are willing to go out and talk to people that don't look anything like us. And, uh, and see if they might be receptive to Jesus and the gospel. Or to send some of us out there at least. If not all of us, some of us can be senders. But... We've got to figure that piece out as well. But for today, I just want to ask you to do a couple things. First, will you be willing to release your need for control? Release your need to control or have a say in what kind of people can join. It's a heart thing. And secondly, would you determine now, today, that the next time someone walks through those doors that doesn't look like the kind of person you'd hang around, doesn't look like the kind of person you'd want your kids to hang around, etc., 
determined now to welcome, not to tolerate, but to show love and welcome. Would you even work on this in your own personal life? Where when you're outside these walls, there's people, you don't like the looks of them. Would you just begin to change your heart a little bit and pray that God would change your heart a little bit to see them the way that God sees them, to see them the way that Jesus would have seen them. Because those kinds of people loved Jesus. They hung around Jesus to the point that the saints of his day said, what in the world is he doing? Why are all these people hanging around him? Why is he hanging around all them? Here's something practical you can do just to kind of start this process. Would be to begin to pray a prayer sort of like what Jesus was saying. Begin to pray that the wind would blow where it pleases. That the Holy Spirit would move where He pleases. That He would bring people to our church and into your life that He pleases to. Whoever He pleases. Whatever they look like. If He wants them in, we want them in, right? Right? We're still working on it? <laughs> Warming up to it? <laughs> Let me play you just a short clip again of the conclusion of that story. To make this long story really short, after several weeks I said, listen, you know, because of my position, I cannot marry you. But I want you to know that you are loved and you are appreciated. Of course, one of the ladies was very upset. They left my office. After about two or three weeks, I see them again sitting in church. And they're sitting there and they're enjoying worship. And so after that, they had another meeting with me. In the conversation, I asked this question. I said, if I would have told a heterosexual couple that I wasn't going to marry them because of my religious views or my theological views, they would have not only left my church, they would have talked about me in the street. So how come you stayed? They said, because you didn't dismiss us. You gave us time. You walked with us in the word. And we had a conversation. And this was the first time in my ministry where I realized that I could have my cake and eat it too. I realized that I didn't have to be on one side or the other. That I could have a stance in my faith and not berate someone. And someone who was not like me could still be with me. It's not always easy. To sort through how, sometimes I imagine it's messy. To sort through how to deal with things when, when the wrong type of person shows up, right? When the person you weren't expecting shows up. But it starts with love. But it still includes truth. And it means giving time. And it means showing you care. It means being welcoming. And so we have to search our hearts. Because we know for a fact when we look at the world around us, even yet still today, that when it comes to the Holy Spirit, He does whatever He pleases.
We better be ready. There's stories from the Muslim world I've heard that where people who, you know, unreached people groups, there's no missionary to tell them, but Jesus will just appear to them in a vision. I've heard a couple different stories of that happening and it seems to be a phenomenon that recurs from what I've heard from missionaries over there. At, at that same convention, one evening, they brought a man on the stage, looked very different from us. Turns out he was the leader of a group of churches that have recently asked to join the Church of God and have been welcomed into our family from the nation of Pakistan. There are two or three hundred pastors and churches that he helps oversee. And get this, 75,000 believers in this nation that's a hotbed for terrorism, right? A safe harbor for radical Islam. How popular do you think it is to be a Christian in Pakistan? The Church of God has 75,000 new members there. Incredible. How did that happen? Where did that come from? How do those people who their, their beliefs didn't look anything like Jesus and now they're in the family? It's because the wind blows wherever it pleases. And so it is with those who are born of the Spirit. And so we're reminded that we don't get to control which sinners get to join But we do get to control our hearts. And we get to decide. Are we going to share the Father's heart that we learned about last week? And if you didn't hear that, it's an important one to go back and and hear. Important to this series and important to our church. Because in that, we found that our God is a God of equal opportunity. So we we need to make sure that we share the Father's heart. So that we stand ready to welcome those whom the Spirit awakens something in their hearts. And in their lives, friend, I can tell you, if someone walks through those glass doors that makes you worried, makes you scared, you better just think for a second about how scared they are. (laughs) It's intimidating for people that look just like us to walk through those glass doors back there for the very first time. So let's Share the Father's heart. And let's remember this important lesson. Let's pray together now. Father, thank you for the mysterious ways that you move in our world and even in us. We need to admit or confess some things today, perhaps God, each of us, heart conditions or attitudes that don't match up very well with your heart, with the Father's heart who created all loves all and wants all to be saved for you loved the whole world so much that you gave your Son that whoever believes could have everlasting life so Holy Spirit prepare us now for whatever and whoever (laughs) you may want to surprise us with and blow wherever you please.
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.